Happy International Women's Day, Mel. <laughs> happy International Women's Day, Crystal, and happy anniversary. Oh, oh happy anniversary. We made it a year. Holy Mel, what the fuck? (laughs) It's exactly one year since we had our first podcast together. And we launched it on on the last International Women's Day. And so, you know, we figured we should have an anniversary podcast (laughs) to chat about what's happened this last year. And I just, I kind of wrap my head around the amount of events that have happened Mm -hmm. you know that have built up to now this war that we're we're forced to face yeah Um, so (laughs) we probably should mention that there's a war now (laughs) there's a war since the last time we uh talked a specific war uh i shouldn't call it a war that's not the appropriate word uh, an invasion an invasion um of ukraine by russia a sovereign nation yes correct um they built up all those troops which we all watched mm-hmm. and everybody kept going oh no putin won't do that and everybody that knows narcissists was like what are you talking about he's been like you know, free to do whatever he wants for the last five years and longer than that, you know, right? Like since Crimea. And then it happened. And then every single time they're like, no, he won't take that next step. And now we're watching war crimes. Right. He keeps pushing those boundaries, but it's echoed in everything that's happening right now in our society, even with COVID. Right, well, they're and keep pushing. They push the limit to see how far they can go. Right, they're they're gonna announce lifting all masks on Thursday. Like they just did that in Ontario. They announced they're lifting all masks after spring break in Ontario, and which we have is great as the new variant BA two is really yeah. taking hold. Yeah, I mean, now are we in the twilight zone? It is. It's a little twilighty because one you know, year later, I feel like we're in. Yeah. The exact same spot, except more family members have died. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's now a threat of a nuclear war, too. Right? Just to up the ante. It's been a lot to process since we had... <laughs> well, well <laughs> and that's not yeah, even, like... Sonia. That's not even adding on the layer yet that even within this war has exposed a whole bunch of, you know... um biases we have within society as well and the systemic issues such as everybody caring and talking about Ukraine being invaded in a certain way because they are Slavic based individuals that look a certain way and are based a certain way when we've had very similar wars with very similar methods used in other areas and including by the United States by our own forces in places like Afghanistan in places like Syria um and we don't seem to have the same reaction when they're black or brown people. So I think we'd be really, uh, it would be a, a flaw if we didn't mention that at the outset when we're having any of these discussions about um, the war in Ukraine and Russia, that there is this double standard that's been applied even at this war level because of the individuals being harmed. And the the... The critical factor there isn't to state that anyone shouldn't be saying these things about Ukraine. It's that we should be saying these about all people and all nations being invaded. Mm-hmm. 
The point is to be anti-war, not pro-war when it's your people. That defeats the entire purpose of being anti-war. It's quite something to see how biased the press has been in covering this. Trevor Noah did an excellent clip how he highlighted how all the the reporters the way they framed it mm. <laughs> um how how they're like these aren't third world people they they're blue eyed and and blonde haired just like you and me and i was just like wow so because they look like you and they're caucasian you have just admitted that you what care more about these people than the other people like and that's exactly that's what we're that is what they said that's what's being pointed out right and it's it's quite not only that but the black and brown students and other individuals that are on those borders trying to get through to these other european countries were being stopped and put at the back of these lines yeah they were physically put on the back of the train i mean people can yell fake news at us but i listened to stories of these individuals i have listened to stories in ukraine right like i spent two weeks listening every day to different stories and uh, the callousness with which we are treating this war to suit ourselves in any way we can right Mm-hmm. Like, it's so frustrating to watch so many good allies get lost in the anger. And I'm not saying that it's not righteous anger. I'm not saying that these things are not unjust. But if we are always going tit for tat, if we are always hitting back with war, it will never end. The point is to stop this from happening. Not to stop it happening from certain groups. It's to stop it happening at all. I don't want Ukrainians to die. I also don't want those Russian boys that have been put in the middle of nowhere with no idea where they're going, that are surrendering after staying out in the woods for days. I don't want a training exercise. I don't want them dying either. And I'll say that openly. Right? Like, nobody should be dying because of war. Because every life lost during this war is to those men's egos. But the fact is, we don't want war. I don't want lives lost. I don't want weapons used on anyone. I want this to stop. It's meaningless. It's pointless. This is why the anti-war movement has developed Every single time we see this is because these lives are lost for nothing. For nothing. It's they so are lost in vain started. because the lessons that are trying to be learned right now, we lose them every time. They are lost for nothing. Those wars never heal us. War will only cause more division, always. This is the culmination of all the stochastic rhetoric. Right of all the disinformation warfare that's out there, you the notice, division, yes, right? The division, yes. <sighs> you notice how how it went from internal after, divisions, us yes. versus them. Suddenly, oh it's, yeah, yeah, right. And it's turned into that. But not only that, the the chatter 
uh, from the supporters of the Freedom Convoy that went to mm. Ottawa, right? Can we talk about that disinformation that was happening and how we had a, a Russian bot holiday? Seriously. Right? And then Twitter got so quiet. But then, and, and all the pro-Putin hashtags got shut down. But it changed from anti-vaccine rhetoric now to pro-war rhetoric mm-hmm. or pro-Putin rhetoric. And you cannot ignore that connection. Nope. Right? Like, it... Oh, yeah. It's just the narratives that have been weaved, right? And it's all to stoke this division as if the issues that we're seeing and the things that we're talking about are actually based in now and they're not, right? Putin's been planning this for like decades. Biden has had his hands in so many wars started across, you know, all those countries and has been doing the same methods. And now he's turning around and saying that these are so bad and... You know, right? Like the hypocrisy is on fire right now. The hypocrisy is on fire. And, and, and what's happening with Zelensky in Ukraine? It didn't start <laughs> with this administration. Trump actually got impeached the first time mm-hmm. for meddling and actually blackmailing Zelensky to ask him for 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 dirt on Biden to stop him from running for president. This goes all the way back to the Trump administration, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And the only reason why Putin's in this position in the first place is all the shit Trump let him do anyway, right? And all yeah. the links that have been made over decades. And this links back to Russia, you know, and USSR breaking down. And this is complex and longstanding. But what I've noticed, Mel, is how fast this war has gone. Right. How fast those moves went. I mean, not in the last, I'd say, six days, but those Mm -hmm. first seven days, the amount of steps NATO took and EU were talking about was just Mm -hmm. so I was so overwhelmed watching Mm -hmm. the steps they were taken because we are all sitting here going, okay, if one step is too far, Mm -hmm. we we all don't know what's going to happen because. Some people will tell you there's no way he'd ever use nukes. Some people will tell you, of course, he'd use nukes. He's a a narcissist and wants to do what he wants. Putin is going to do what he wants, right? And it makes, it helps no one for us to pretend to know what he's going to do. So as always, I'm a supporter of honesty of all possible options, right? At least let us as countries, as nations, as people go into these things with understanding, right? Because not understanding what's going on, that just, they just, they're losing trust over and over and over again, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, our, our countries are so disintegrated right now, the culture of our countries. Yeah, and, and public health is eroded, like trust in public health is eroded. And it's right. further and, and Mel, what happens? What <laughs> happens if the variant is more transmissible and more severe? Now that we've now that we know it, it destroys your brain. Health, yeah. Uh, right. The research coming out right now that shows that even mild can can show some cognitive Just loss. Right. Gray matter. Gray matter, guys, is responsible for your thinking. 
you need gray matter. Well, and remember, Mel, we don't have longitudinal studies yet because COVID's <laughs> new, which is what we talked about. We didn't. That's we right. don't have evidence of longitudinal effects when we can't see it yet. Um, That's right. And but if you know, if a bad variant hits, we're now under vaccinated because people yeah. are just not getting boosters because of all the misinformation and poor use of language yeah. and all yes. that. Kids are super under vaccinated and people seventy percent not vaccinated in, in most yeah. provinces. Um, older 70%. people are going to be on the tail end of boosters pretty soon, and the boosters mm-hmm. aren't going to be hitting variants pretty soon anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to convince people to take a whole new vaccine. Oh, Mel, what have we're, they done? <laughs> we're back at square one. What have they, they done? It's it's just such a cluster. F- is what it is. It means that like 700 and a gazillion days later, I'm still in social isolation because like what, what there's literally no way of telling what's actually going on in terms of risk level in any sort of buildings, you know, to me right now, like, I just don't know. And I'm not willing to take that risk and then bring it home to my son or bring it home to my mom who's got, you know, asthma and like mm-hmm. blood pressure issues, right? Like that's just not a risk I'm willing to take. But they've just demolished the entire systems. So we don't even, ha- we're blind. If Completely it, if, blind. We're I back mean, in March. We're back in March 2020. They said, it was, March they said it was endemic. After the who directly told them not to, and then they yeah. removed restrictions after who probably told them not to. Yeah. Um, now he's saying no, don't take masks away from schools oh, after they have. And now Henry's talking about she's looking at the new variant. Uh, what? What do you mean? I thought it was endemic and we had nothing to worry about because endemic means it just goes away for long periods of time, and then you have that sort of seasonal. This isn't seasonal. It never went away. This is them still. Towing that line saying that COVID is the flu. And this is that Trump administration bullshit that they have mm-hmm. not given up. And I like to point out that the GBD people actually came up with a great Barrington declaration in the Oval Office with Trump present mm. and Michael Flynn and a bunch of other characters that are connected to Russia that have a lot of questions. Okay. Like if you research and look into this, where the great Barrington declaration came from. Mm-hmm. You might want to start asking more critical thinking questions of why there are people who have been uh, convinced of disinformation to just allow this brain eating and destroying virus to wash over the masses as well, Bob Woodward wrote about in his book Rage when he oh, talked so about Trump and what he decided to do with the COVID pandemic. Trump said, this is a plague. You just let it wash over the masses. Mm-hmm. Okay. They knew this was not like the flu, but yet they still chose to. Well, right? as, did, <laughs> as did many of the rich countries, yes. right? Because as people have been yelling about Russian oligarchs, what do you think Bill Gates is? What He's do you an think American Elon oligarch. Musk is? Yes. Those people the Western rule. family rule over our society and their money is so by vast more than we could even comprehend of they they are oligarchs what mm-hmm. what right they directly influence policy they're like tweeting presidents and stuff and people will listen to them that is 
I don't see the difference here. I know. Elon Musk is telling everyone to ramp up oil and gas production. Everyone's like, yeah, okay, Elon, you're so right. Right, after he okay, supported the, the Freedom IPCC Convoy. Report. Yeah, and then IPCC report says, hey, guys, uh, we're past the point of no return for climate collapse by 2050 now. It's faster than we thought it was going to be. There's not enough food and resources to sustain all the human lives on this planet. Okay, and you're saying ramp up fuel production and Fun. let it let this plague wash over the masses. Come on, people, put two and two together. Well, and like, if you really want to change things, why aren't you buying like all of the low income families electric vehicles? Like, you could have you could afford that. Like, you could like call that a tax deduction, Elon Musk. Like, why not the lowest, lowest, you know, like million people, the in- lowest million bracket families, send them a brand new vehicle. Elon doesn't believe that poverty exists in the world. He actually made a bet with the UN and the World Economic Forum and said that if you give me a report to prove that poverty and hunger exists in this world, then I'll, I will give you enough money to solve hunger. He doesn't believe that there are hungry people in this world. Mel, a rich white man doesn't believe there's hungry people in the world? No, a rich white man whose daddy was whose fortune came from emeralds and apartheid. He had gems in his pockets as a toddler. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe there's hungry people in this world. My dear Elon, my goodness. Right. Right. And and he just says shit about all sorts of shit. Right. Yeah. And gets stoked up. And so does people like Jordan Peterson, who should be a fucking nobody and have his license pulled. Right. Like this shit is ridiculous. And these men get up on these pedestals and spout out to these other rageful men and bring up the next generation. Somebody needs to take them off these damn pulpits. Tamamo no me escaped her rock in Japan. On the 19th, this is the Japanese uh, mythological goddess who they called a demon. Oh, the broken. She broke the rock. Yeah. And she was supposedly trapped in this rock by a Buddhist monk a thousand years ago. And the I feel myth, it. And the myth is, is that she was known as a demon and a warrior because she hunted down warlords and cruel I want a myth like that about me when I die. (laughs) I want a rock that breaks in like a thousand years and they're like, the rage of crystal has come back. And and people were freaking out because it was a bad omen because there was a giant cloud above Mount Fuji and people were literally on Japanese social media were freaking out. They're like, oh, this is such a bad omen. This is such a bad omen. Like literally everything that could possibly happen in like this giant melee it feels like we're having like just like a grand melees coming right. together in our timeline like where Mel, we have communists it's, and it's the only march 8th it's only march 8th okay <laughs> and the mythological goddess has has popped around i am now waiting for kaiju to come out of the ocean and to uh take out some major city along the coast mm. now like bring on the i kaiju. suspect i suspect it's aliens next that's my guess about the big explosion that we're gonna have next because clearly we've been hit with some pretty high level stuff so i feel like it's gotta be aliens next you know what just just 
just bring on the aliens. Just get it over I, with. I feel like this would be the perfect moment. Like, we're all so prepped <laughs> to just handle the most bizarre <laughs> shit right now that if it came out right now, everyone would be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like 2022. Aliens are real. I get it. I get it. Um, the Pentagon has been trying to tell us that aliens are real since 2019 when they revealed footage of the UFOs and confirmed that, yes, those are unidentified. Yeah, they objects. released a whole bunch of records. Yeah, they were, they've been telling people that there's aliens and and, and people are like, eh, meh, <laughs> whatever. Because, because <laughs> even in our pride, we're like, well, we'd be better than the aliens anyway, so no big deal. If, if the aliens want to come see us, then we'll care about the aliens, right? Like, oh my gosh. This is, we- this is individualism on, on steroids that where we just are so in our like little narrow-minded tunnel that we just don't even see like anything beyond what's happening. And we've allowed the stochastic rhetoric and the disinformation and the division to just affect us all. And none of us are immune from the effects of social media. Like, let's be very honest. Everyone is affected, Mm -hmm. right? Like this new, new invasion, this war is is aptly dubbed the TikTok war. Well, let's be, (laughs) let's, let's be clear about what's happening is that this, this narrative about Zelensky, you know, that's a purposeful narrative, right? Like that's, it's a, a narrative being used in the positive sense. If you if you want to talk about it in that direction, is to to feed the, um, you know, feed the energy of the Ukrainian people, to feed the energy of this movement, to, yeah. um, to want pe- to get people to want to send this aid to Ukraine. That's what this story is for, right? People yeah. love an underdog, right? An underdog, the ghost of Kiev, the Snake Island he, 13, right? I mean, as a psychologist watching this, he's doing this so beautifully, right? Like, and that's well, even because- his press releases are so like on point. I suspect because he's he's just an honest person. Like he genuinely is just experiencing this as a human. Um, obviously, he's using this to ad- his advantage. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if I was in that position with my own country, I probably would be doing the same thing, right? But I bring that up because that's influencing our emotions in the same way the stuff about Putin is meant to influence our emotions, right? And the purpose of that is to get us to be more pro-war, to get us to want to feed that, you know, military industrial complex, to want to get them to ramp up our defenses, to bring back those things that they've been looking at taking away, right? That's what that's for. And people can get upset that I say that, but that's simply the truth, right? Is that it's being used in that way to influence us. And that's done all the time with all sorts of things, right? Like this is just in a, an extreme situation. We're seeing the application of these things, but it is the same thing we see in all sorts of other ways. And I'm not assigning a moral value to it, right? Like I support people being able to defend themselves and I support what we're doing to help them in doing that. I also still firmly stand in an anti-war stance where I want to get to a place where we do not use these methods at all. Where the answer isn't to shoot another human. Right? Like, where that is what I want. I want a healed world. I don't want a world where the person with the most guns wins. I don't want any guns. Did you know that Putin is richer, if not 
as rich as Elon Musk. He has a personal wealth, personal wealth that rivals Elon Musk. Oh, like they and- just found a super yacht in Italy, 754 yards called the Shahrazad. And they oh, and I'm sure he's spilled away so much in crypto. I'm oh, sure, right? Like, and yeah, he's been squirreling away wealth for all sorts. Like, come on, man, the guy was straight KGB. Like, he made his way by Mafia. just bold faced lying. Like, that's what he was known for. So, this isn't surprising. And the way that the US is dealing with it and sort of it's equally using this right to try and reorient us to the U.S. being the sort of global power and in in that you know international complex. China's waiting to just see what happens. Russia's trying to assert itself because it wants to get power back because after World War II, you know, sort of feeling that destruction. Um, I honestly, Mel, I don't know what happens now because who I feel I feel so crushed for the Russian people who will be paying the price of these sanctions and his actions for much longer than that man will ever live. Right. Yeah, they, he McDonald's has destroyed. Today. He yeah. has destroyed his own country with these rubles actions. Rubles are nothing. Rubles are worth nothing like monopoly money. And, and I McDonald's feel for the no Ukrainians. longer stands there. Yeah. You know, over almost 2 million have fled now. There's 44 million people in that country. And, you know, when I take the moments that I can, because I, I want people to also preserve their mental health in this, because this is a long game we're playing and a long sort of trauma response we're dealing with, um, is that these people are losing everything they have ever known, right? Can you imagine? I can't imagine if, I, and I want all the listeners, you know, who've, been stable and have not known this to think about being at your home and and having a normal day and one week later bombs are dropping in your city you are leaving desperate to get out you take nothing except your passport right you go to a different country where you don't speak the language you don't know the rules you don't know the laws you don't even know how to ask for food or where to go to the washroom, right? They have nothing but their lives and their freedom. The footage coming out of Ukraine is is harrowing. They leave because the idea of freedom in those places is more than they're leaving behind. Yes. And people don't do that. Unless they are physically or psychologically dying where they are. Right? When people in in places were putting their children on boats. They're fleeing you know, for their lives. Coming fleeing. from Syria. And people were judging them. Right? What? How bad does it have to be for someone to take that risk? Yes. To see that as the only option... And if you can't imagine what that's like, lucky you. That you have no idea and can't identify with that lucky you. There are so many of us who can't identify with it simply because we live such privileged lives. Absolutely. Because growing up in a wealthy nation, you become so blind 
to what actually happens in the rest of the world. I mean, it, what you have to see what's happening in 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 Kiev to like finally get what it means to flee a situation. What you, all those people that came up from South America to the border from Mexico that were you know in 2017, 18, like well, and parents I think, were walking I with their toddlers. I think back to even Afghanistan when the the first footage from the helicopters were coming out when they were bombing the the areas with civilians. God, so long ago, more than a decade ago now, um, when it came out on um, WikiLeaks, when it was first sort of really roaring at that point. And it was so shocking to watch them, like, bomb these places. As shocking as it is to watch it in Kiev, but nobody... It, like, nobody has equated those things, mm-hmm. right? And the people, this is what I mean, is we are losing people to this, like, pro-war sentiment of, you know, as long as it's in defense of what I think, then we can do this. And we need to really, I just want people to think and and try to stay in touch with common humanity, when you're responding to these issues because more guns, more bombs is never going to fix this. And the people that are calling for war, are you going to enlist and fight in a never ending third world war? Are you willing to be conscripted? How about what if they have to conscript your children? Those are serious questions you need to think about. If a full-blown World War III comes out where NATO is entrenched in conflict with, I guess we call it, China-Russia alliance, it's going to be a major world war. People can't even fathom it, though, Mel. Like, are you you okay with letting your child go? Because that's what you're asking for. My son is 17 years old, Mel, and he has talked to me several times since this has started about that he would go in the army or he would enlist. And I believe him because it's not the first time he's mentioned it. And he truly believes in fighting to make the world a better place. And that is so overwhelming, Mel, that my 17-year-old son is thinking about that and that we're even having this conversation. And people need to take that so seriously. Yes. So seriously. You're not the first mother of a 17, 18-year-old that I've heard say that, that their sons have had those conversations with their mothers saying, uh, maybe I need to go to war. I need to, to go fight. You're not I know the friends. first mother. I yeah. have friends that have, you know, sent stuff to go help in Ukraine who have who want to go there, right? If If it was easier to do these sorts of things, they would be on the next flight to go and help. You know, and I would be lying if I said I don't have those thoughts myself where I've been laying there at night. Like, could they do they have a use for psychologists? Like, could I be doing something with the people that are just getting over the border? Like, you want to do something. They are taking volunteers at refugees. Helpless. Yeah. A lot of people are flying over, you know, uh, retired veterans, uh, medics. Um, But yeah, even refugee camps on 
in Warsaw, Poland, where the majority of the Ukrainian refugees are fleeing to are taking volunteers. Well, and the thing is, but this is not a normal war. You know, people no, are expecting not. Putin to just follow the rules of war. But you see for days they've been trying to set up humanitarian corridors. And what did he do? He made four of the, four of them go to Russia and the other ones go to Belarus, the places and, that are bombing them. And and the, the corridors are mined. Yeah, and the, the intelligence are coming out is that they're mined. They've like, actively been oh, armor bombing them while they've been having these corridors, while they're having the talks. As yes. he's there talking, he's bombing civilians. It bombed a hospital today. This I isn't like something we've seen before because, nope. again, this is like if Trump got into a war. Right. We're not talking about someone, these men that were dealing with the Cold War. We're not talking about men that were conditioned into politics in the sense of our North American, you know, polished politics. Putin is not that like he is a a malignant narcissist. Right. Like he is willing to go all sorts of ways that people don't understand because they're not right. Because they don't the have triad? that. Yeah, absolutely. So dark triad is, uh, sometimes it's called tetrad, but um, triad is Machiavellianism, uh, narcissism, and psychopathy. So those are the three that make up uh, the dark triad, which are essentially the personality traits that are um, really not great. They're, so that's <laughs> why they're called the dark triad. And you tend to see them in... Um, you know, people like dictators or like really, really good white collar criminals, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, so they can be quite effective at um, interpersonal manipulation if they're quite intelligent as well. Um, the tetrad comes in because another characteristic that has been found to be related to these things, um, as well as sadism. So an enjoyment in inflicting pain on others, essentially. Um, but so psychopathy... This is where you have uh, people that are willing to act in antisocial ways, but also um, are lacking in empathy. So uh, quite callous, don't really, they, they aren't able to take others' perspectives easily. And then there's Hare's psychopathic checklist where as children, PCL, they, PCLR, yeah. Yeah, they, they tortured animals, they're bedwetters, and they like to set fires. That's the so Hare's psychopath checklist. Is that so no, that's McDonald's triad. <laughs> McDo that's McDonald's triad. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so that is about um like the ad adolescent characteristics that are mm -hmm. indicators of later psychopathy, which yeah. is then rated using the PCLR. Um, so um, and the number one indicator always will be uh, cruelty to animals. Essentially, it's it's just in in like a real sadistic way, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Uh, not in the kids, like I'm cutting a worm in half to see if it still wiggles, but they're like literally dissecting animals way. Um, you then have uh, Machiavellianism, which is this. Um, oh, how do I want to explain it? I'm going to Google how Google explains it because I'll use academic words. So, OK, so this is described as uh, cunningness. So the ability to be manipulative mm -hmm. and a drive to use whatever means necessary to achieve power. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have narcissism, which is that entitlement, um, you know, uh, really concerned with self over others, those sorts of things. So when you get those all in, um, in <laughs> confluence with each other, you have people like 
Putin, right? And I say Putin because, and not Trump, um, Trump is, he's probably a psychopath, actually, um, without, like, the criminal part. Um, the hard part is a lot of the psychopathy scale is based on, like, criminal actions, mm-hmm. and white-collar psychopaths don't always fit into that sort of pattern. Um, he also but lacks they, the intelligence piece. Yeah. Right. Well, well, and he I was going to say Trump, speech patterns of a grade four boy. That's why I was going to say Trump isn't in that category. I would no. say of Machiavellianism because he's not cunning. Like no. he's actually quite, you know, not making great planning decisions, poor decision making ability, trying to use nice language here. Yeah. Um, so whereas Putin, Putin's a great chess player. Putin's an excellent chess player, and it's exactly why we're in the position we are, is because even the people watching him for decades were like, no, he won't go that far. Because no, nobody you talks to him. Nobody He's a talks top to psychologists. Officer. Nobody talks to psychologists. We've yeah. all been watching this man going, this man is clearly like a malignant. Nar- this is terrible. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Why are you poking at him? Like, yes. Um, and a lot of us did see problems coming because of the way Trump was interacting with Putin and all those sorts of things, right? Like there's there's pieces of this that, that have been talked about for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you see the extreme version of what happens when someone with that dark triad is in power. Yeah. And, and trying you know, to establish more power. And you know who predicted all of this? This is this is all actually in Malcolm Nance's book, The Plot to Destroy Democracy. He mm. broke down how and what and the connections with Trump and with uh, Stephen Harper and mm-hmm. with the connections in Canada and the U.S. and Russia. He breaks that all down. And then the book that precedes that book is The Plot to Hack Democracy. And what he writes about in that book is mentioned in the Netflix documentary, The Great Hack. That features mm-hmm. Carol Cadwallader. And she went and made the connections between Russia and Brexit right, and Trump. And so there's all these connecting pieces and data points. And it has all this information has always been out there. It has always been out there. And then partly this is why Malcolm Nance, and he's a 35 plus year CIA analyst. He's like, I wrote a whole book about this. Why is everyone surprised at what is happening? He's like, I wrote a whole damn book about this. It's like the slowest crash, right? That everybody's yeah. been like the fall of democracy as we're all watching it, right? And it's mm-hmm. like over time, a couple more people join right into the awareness pile. It's like slowly, we slowly have people coming in, right? Yes. But what I want to point out there is that often in these conversations, we talk about U.S. and Russia Canada clearly is part of these conversations too, friends. Like Obviously. our people, our oligarchs, they're like, we're not exempt from this. Our government does shady stuff too. Clearly, well, with to COVID. Mention, huh. Not to mention uh, COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, like, we, like, NATO and, and the US and Canadian Army and DND and DOD are intertwined, right? right? In 2016, Stephen Harper passed the resolution made the the two military like intertwined the caf has an office at the pentagon right like you can't say oh we want to have a confrontation and have a full war and not expect canada is not going to be right there too right Mm. people need to understand the connections and i hope people are seeing the connections because i mean 
you know, now there's like a convoy going to Washington, D.C. Oh, my right? God, Mel. This is <laughs> it's just never ending. Listen, I am all about peaceful protest mm-hmm. and even sometimes provocative protest. I don't know what these people are fighting for at this point. Genuinely. Well, the the demands for restrictions lifted have been lifted. Correct. Right? So they, they don't know what they are even protesting about. Or like, I don't like, I literally don't know who they're trying to get what from at this point. Like, obviously, this is some sort of Russian disinformation campaign, right? Meant to get the, well, your I own society to fight to negate, against each other. I don't want to negate that there are some people that started originally in that idea because of the issues related to the discrepancies in policies that occurred in many provinces across Canada. And I, yes. I'll be I'll be generous in that. That's what I'm going to say. And I don't think that we would agree with any of the people in the convoy about that. No. But I also understand the point they're making about medical coercion, right? Mm-hmm. They feel like they're being coerced into taking something medically done to their bodies without their full approval or comprehension. That I agree with. I don't think you fully comprehend what is happening. Comprehension, the lack of comprehension mm-hmm. is the is the defining point here, right? Like the lack of clarity of information about vaccines, the lack of clarity of safety, yes. right? For and for that was failures of children. our government. Yes, right? yes, our conservative right. and that government. stoked. And that stoked the division. And we talked about this so many times was that Mm -hmm. that was a way it it pitted us against one another. And whoa, look at this. COVID is gone. And now there's a war that's going to bring us all back together. Yeah, no, the COVID is not over, you idiots. I don't don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to say this nicely. Like, they just pretend like it's all gone. And meanwhile, BA2 is sneaking up right now. Like the death rate. They don't in pretend Denmark it's gone. They don't pretend scary. it's gone. They've just normalized the death rate. They have normalized the death rate. Yes. Meanwhile, right? and, there's and, like and people, you know, once in a while, trolls uh, troll me on Twitter when I do it. But as often as I can, I go on to Dix's page whenever he announces the deaths, and I just try to write something or like space out the numbers or do something to show people like these are humans every mm-hmm. day. Right. Plus mm-hmm. the overdose deaths. These are two public health crises that they are refusing to even address in any substantial ways. And we are losing people every single day to COVID and to overdose. Right. And in both of those circumstances and in many others of preventable death, the most marginalized and the most vulnerable are going to be those ones dying. Yes. The right? new coroner's report from BC is 6,000 plus excess deaths. Right. Overdoses. And our life expectancy, God, Mel, for the first time in a hundred years since the last pandemic, we're driving our life expectancy down. It's and like I say that in an amazed way as like mm-hmm. a statistics person that I'm like, do you do people understand the scale of what has happened in a mere two years to change a hundred years of data in a negative direction? Can you explain to people what it means? They're like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to live to 85. No, that's not what it means, guys. 
well, it's 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 in, it's entirely a societally essentially we are impacting just everything, and we're draw- like, it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the direction we should be going. Not when in we're 2022, comparing, right? Literally, the last time we were we were going not up was the after the last pandemic, the Spanish flu. Right. Uh, before the Second World War. We, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not we're not having children. We're dying off. Humanity's extincting itself is what it appears to me. Yeah. And just in time, you know, because uh, IPCC reports stating that <laughs> we cannot sustain oh the gosh. amount of people. Maybe this uh, is our alive. maybe this is our adaptive response to climate change is like we're we're mass. Throwing ourselves off of the cliff like lemmings because that's well, what's happening. Oh, that's such a deep and dark thought. But Isn't if it? It, it, well, it would be the opposite of a survival strategy, so it couldn't be evolutionary theory. Um, but I mean, I'm like, stressors. I'm like, teor- I'm teor- theorizing in my head, like the just like the mass trauma response to such events might not necessarily make sense in that in that way, um, because we've never had to comprehend a world-ending event before. No, right? We've only no. ever comprehended that in the sense of. Um, thinking back into historical times in terms of um, big events and like me- the meteor shift with the dinosaurs and those sorts of things. Um, but we've never outside of the sort of Cold War period and when nuclear development was sort of happening in Chernobyl and outside of very specific events, we've never had to actually be like, whoa, the world might end. And that's what we're faced with all the time with climate change. And yeah. and now this war with Putin, right? And, then and the not pandemic. only that, but because we're living in a capitalist society, we're expected to go to work the same hours, do the same work while all this is going on, which as a psychologist, that's mind boggling. It's insane how they would you expect a human to still function at the same levels when your entire right. safety nets, your psychological safety nets, your Maslow's basic needs of safety are completely fucked with on a daily basis. And it's not irrational to be fearful right now. It's not irrational to be depressed. It's not irrational to have anxiety. Because there are some some major, major shit happening right now. Absolutely. And the problem for people is when they become ruminative on those things and they can't function outside of that. And that's where we become involved, right? But that's really just management. Because in truth, Mel, I can't tell you. I can't give you an answer to those questions because I don't have one. I can't tell you how this war is going to end. I can't tell you if climate change is going to get better. And that sucks as a psychologist because never, never in time before in psychology have we had to not have questions to whether the world will end. Yeah. The existential anxiety is real. Right. Is, Is it likely no, is nuclear war likely? No, but it's certainly on the table. Yeah, where it wasn't before March. Right. It like <laughs> nuclear weapons exist, so we are now all in this position, which is why the point of it is to get rid of this state of existence. Right? The answer isn't for NATO to expand 
and get more nuclear weapons and then Russia to get bigger and get more nuclear weapons and then NATO to expand. So that's not the answer. And that's exactly where we're headed. But that's already exists. That's called and mad. All that's going to do, right. All that's going to do is build more nuclear weapons in more mm-hmm. places. Right. And then we're in even more of a standoff. Right. Well, but we are. At we've a gone. Right we've now. gone away from this notion that we had decades ago of demilitarizing, of denuclearizing these places, so that we could get away from this. And we're right in the place where they're gonna. You know, the USA is just gonna hit the m- industrial military complex now about how important it is. Right. That we have to beef up our security, that it's important that we're as strong as we ever can be because of China, because of Russia, right? And all this funding that we didn't have for COVID, interestingly, and saving all those people is just going to come out of nowhere. We're just going to be funding all these military things. It's funny how that works. But now taxes are suddenly higher and gas prices are so much. So the same people we can't afford to pay to stay home, we're going to now tax the shit out of to make back the money that we're going to pay towards the military industrial complex. Cool. Cool, cool. (laughs) Can't wait. Did you know I got my first access to rapid tests just like on Monday, March 7th? 2022 that was the first time i ever laid eyes and touched a physical rapid test because i finally got one from my kid's school and then i was able to go up to sfu and grab another pack because i found out they were giving them out and then i had a conversation with sfu bookstore people and i was actually told by the manager there that i asked them is this like a do to students and and you know faculty and staff do they get like one every semester or he's like no it's like they gave us these boxes and we give them out until they're gone and we don't know we'll get any more so what happened to all the freaking millions of rapid tests our federal government gave us and it's just also this- where's public health who's supposed to be about equity and ensuring the people that actually need this shit is getting it but instead, my 83-year-old grandfather is hiding in his house because he doesn't know what's happening with COVID. He's wearing N95s. I sent him because he asked me that for them. Thank Aww. you, Grandpa. Good job, Aww. Grandpa. Um, but he's two years, like two years on now, or 18 months after he lost his wife. Still no answers about anything that happened. Uh, you know, there. she's being awarded with the order of bc recently finally because they finally caught up and had the award ceremony so my grandpa now is watching this 18 months after his wife died that this lady's getting the order of bc the place he's lived in his entire life with his wife who just died of 60 years i mean mel the like It's painful to watch, right? Like, for for the families, it's hard to watch yeah. these people continue to do this same thing, and like to know to know how deeply painful it was to lose my grandma because I saw it coming, mm-hmm. and to know how long and how many people have gone on since then and gotten sick and died. It's overwhelming, truly. That we've it feels like we've made no change. And and in fact, Mel, we've lost we've lost since since a year ago because we don't even have the the metrics we had before to be able to to try and identify our risk, right? 
we have no data. Tracing, contact tracing, notifications. It's all done. It's all killed. Except all COVID. Killed. Yeah, COVID's still there. And we still got new nasty Seriously. variants. I mean, they got rid of everything except they can't get rid of the fucking COVID. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like... I know. And a year later, we're still saying, oh, you know, but finally, other, you know, WHO and CDC is finally agreed. Oh, yeah, COVID is airborne. We've been screaming about that for a year since our oh, first it's episode. it's vascular and it causes brain damage. Like, all the things we knew in and, and diabetes. Yeah, but it's something we've been about. Yeah, it's like all the stuff we knew, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the frustrating part is none of this is new. No. It just, it's once it becomes something that they can't hide, they just get rid of the data. Yeah. Right. Today's data was like, N-A, not N-A, N-A, N-A. Like, there's like no data because they haven't been. Oh, and and when it comes to like the Public Health Agency of Canada, they haven't updated their death stats since like end of October or end of 2020. So, like, before the the huge second wave of, like, older people that died, they just haven't updated their deaths and given them that information. My goodness. Do you think it's because of Dr. Moriarty's work and then they just don't want her looking into it? <laughs> Honestly, I think BC's uh, method has been to just, just not record what they don't want people to see. Which is, uh, you know, tragic. Criminal. We're, we're, and we're just... <laughs> Mel, what I've seen is, oh man, I was I was trying not to like give super eyeballs if I told you so when that cricketer recently died, that 52-year-old oh, yes. uh, cricketer, because guess what he had like seven months before he died of a heart attack at 52, even though he was a great athlete. What did he have? He had COVID. Mm. Oh, and a whole bunch of people who had COVID last year having heart attacks, Mel. Yeah. At really young ages, at like 40s, 50s, 60s, I'm yeah. seeing, you know, like, we're seeing that. Now we're seeing it because it's a vascular disease and people uh-huh. haven't been protecting Strokes themselves. in young Strokes. people, right? Because Stro- it's repeated, repeated infections, right? And we're You're- not saying this is the 20s and 30s, but people, 40s is not old. No. Right? Most people don't have health issues at that age. So to be 40 and have a stroke or to be 40 and um, have a heart attack? Yeah. Because you're you're having issues because of the weakening of that muscle or issues that you had with COVID. It doesn't have to affect your lungs to affect you in other ways. So when I saw that that athlete had had a heart attack, I was not surprised. I literally went to go look if he had COVID. When I saw that he died of a heart attack, I didn't know he had COVID. I saw that he died and he was 52 and I went, there's, there's no way he didn't have COVID. I think now that we've, we've talked again, we'll, we'll maybe hit it again next week. Now that we are feeling a little bit sane again. It's been, it's been so overwhelming that it's been so hard to articulate. Well, and I don't even know I can because. When I'm when I'm in the state, and it's honestly for my self care when I don't record, is because um, I'm just too scattered and and sort of I need time to process what's going on, and I just can't in those moments. So I appreciate that people are sort of patient with us when we have these breaks. Is that I emotionally just need it. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's just I need to. I needed that moment to have that break. You're right. Just trying to be able to process everything, right? 
And I encourage everyone to take mm-hmm. those breaks when they need them. It's again, this is something we're dealing with for a long time. And if there are moments when you can get rest, when you can get reprieve, then do that because we're all coming back to work on it tomorrow. Right. And we need rest. We need actual repair to still be as strong in this fight tomorrow. The whole attrition, right? Mm-hmm. This is a resilience exercise, <laughs> a lifelong resilience exercise, because mm-hmm. you're right. This is a marathon. We have not had a break mm-hmm. from tragedy, from but Mel, like craziness. I think that the people that are faring well in this, like myself, like relatively well and like yourself and understanding what's going on, is that there's been a bit of tragedy always weaved in the story, at least for me, is that I've already had to be resilient and there's a component of this that taps into that and Mm -hmm. I feel I'm able to offer that to other people. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of learning to do and reach out to other people and and um we're all trying to do this and survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to chat with you again. It's nice to see your face. It's nice to see your face. It's nice yeah. for people to listen to us again, all twelve that are in the basement. How all of you. We miss you. I, Thank you for I doing think the of all twelve of us. you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Recordings will be there for the aliens at the end. Okay. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you, nice. Welcome back. Welcome back. Bye.